Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Well, hey there. It's officially May because it's been raining all day. You know, we're supposed to have baseball tonight. South Bend Cubs scheduled to open a 12-game homestand, and they're planning to get started less than an hour from now at this point. Well, well, well less than an hour Well, from now. First pitch. First pitch at 6.05. I'm just all ahead of myself right now. 5.45 is the pregame show uh, from Four Winds Field. So that's going to be coming up in less than an hour. We don't have a whole lot of time tonight. A lot of stuff that we're going to try to jam into this relatively short amount of time. But uh, Cormac Ryan, starting with him, he's going to be back with Notre Dame men's basketball next season. They uh, made the announcement last night. So when you kind of look at how things are shaping up. You got Dane Goodwin coming back. We already knew that. Cormac Ryan is coming back. Trey Wirtz is coming back. We know Prentice Hub and Paul Atkinson are both definitely gone. Big man and the point guard, both of them gone. Uh, Nate Lashewski could return. He's in the NBA draft evaluation process. I would have to think that he'll be back if I just, you know, base it on what his realistic NBA possibilities are. But, you know, he could also decide he might want to head to Europe or some, you know, some other place, Australia, wherever it happens to be overseas and just play professionally rather than come back to school. Uh, Blake Wesley, of course, he's in the NBA evaluation process as well. Much greater chance for him that he'll stay in the draft and go pro no matter what. But, uh, you know, so you got Cormac Ryan coming back, deciding to return. Good nucleus of guards coming back. You've got... A, uh, a grad transfer coming in from Niagara, who averaged 18 points and a solid three-point shooter for them last season. You've got some young guys back on the roster, uh, both Elijah's, Morgan, and Taylor gone. And then, of course, you've got uh, J.J. Starling and a couple of big men coming in next season. So, again, good veteran presence for Mike Bray coming back next year and some good young talent coming into the program with uh, Cormac Ryan deciding to uh, – to come back. I'll kind of go more in detail on that tomorrow night as well as what's happened over the last week for the women's team. I'll kind of go over both rosters and how they look with transfers coming in, who's coming, who's going, all those different things on tomorrow night's show when we have a little bit more time. But uh, you remember remember report card time <laughs> when you were in school? I always dreaded report card day because, well, just face it, school is not my favorite thing. So you know, report card day comes, you know, I knew I was going to have to kind of bite the bullet 
get that thing signed by my mom and take it back to the teachers and all that kind of good stuff. But look, grades weren't horrible. I mean, you know, we're not talking bottom of the barrel. You know, but they uh, were not. They were far from straight A's. It was fewer and far between that the A showed up. You know, it was more B's and C's and all that kind of good stuff. But um, I'll I just say this because the NFL draft is over, and so that means you've got all these different outlets now handing out the letter grades for every team after their drafting. So I thought we'd kind of take a look with just a few minutes here to go in tonight's show. Take a look at. Uh, a couple of letter grades that were handed out for both the Colts and the Bears. And uh, first for the Bears, Mel Kuyper Jr. gives them a B-, minus, which is one of the better grades that I've seen for the Bears draft. Um, here's what Kuyper wrote. He said, I wrote Friday night about new general manager Ryan Pohl's day two moves. I just didn't love passing up all of the available wideouts and offensive tackles to take defensive backs in the second round. Kyler Gordon at 39 should be a rookie starter at corner, while Jaquan Brisker at 48 could be the starting strong safety. But why not add some help for Justin Fields? The second-year quarterback is your guy for the long term, right? He doesn't have enough weapons to be even above average. He has Darnell Mooney and what and what at wide receiver. Maybe Poles and company are going to add a veteran in the street free agent market, but I don't know as of now. And the wideout they did add later on, day two, Velas Jones Jr. at 71, is fast but a little limited. He's one of the oldest prospects in his class. He'll turn 25 in his rookie season. There's a hole at right tackle, too, and Chicago took two fifth-round flyers on Braxton Jones and Zachary Thomas. Is Poles counting on them to compete to start? That's a lot to ask. I do like lineman Jatire Carter as a potential starter down the road after some development time. End quote from Mel Kuyper Jr. So again, you know, that's that's probably the biggest knock, I guess, is the fact that they had two second round picks. They didn't use either of them on either a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, which were considered two of the top priorities. Secondary was also a priority. Here's Ryan Poles on those decisions to go defensive backs with the first two picks of the draft. I'm a, I'm an offensive line guy. Like obviously, I would I would fire away at, at all of them if I could. But it's it really comes down to the preparation. It comes down to the board and, and where guys are valued. And and this year, where we sat, to me, there were two good starting level defensive players. And I would have made a huge mistake for this organization to say, you know what, let's just leave them there, let someone else take them, and then we're gonna go to offense where they're not on the same level. <clears throat> and then. You're kicking yourself a year or two later when that guy's at a you know an all pro. But yeah, I just did what I needed at the time. It's, it, so it, again, it comes back to discipline and doing things right. When I felt like that's going to be a decision that we're all happy with. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and the decision all these guys have to make, all these general managers have to make, is is need versus best available, and you know, again. Ryan Poles is telling you, yeah, we, we, we had these needs at, at wide receiver and at offensive line, but we didn't want to reach. And I can't tell you what exactly was available at those spots and what wasn't. That's one thing that I haven't, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people, you know, while they're knocking them for not taking a receiver or an offensive lineman with these second round picks, I haven't seen people saying, well, this guy was available. This guy was available. Why didn't you take him? 
Deep wide receiver draft, you would have thought they would have taken a receiver with one of those two picks, especially uh, the ringer. Another national outlet gives them a C-. And, you know, on the topic of wide receivers, they say, quote, while teams like the Jets, Giants, and Dolphins have been aggressive this offseason to add playmakers for their respective young quarterbacks in Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, and Tua Tonga-Baloa, the Bears seem almost indifferent to getting Fields more help. New GM Ryan Pohl signed a handful of scrap heap receivers in free agency, then waited until the third round to draft 24-year-old Velas Jones Jr., a speedster who never produced big numbers in college. So, you know, again, you know, like the Colts ended up getting uh, Pierce, the, the kid from Cincinnati, and they pick lower than the Bears, for example. Colts are all pretty excited about getting Pierce, and that's a guy the Bears could have had if they wanted to, but they decided not to. They went a different direction, addressed the secondary, because, again, they felt like they weren't reaching all that. We'll see what they do. There, you know, There's a list of, of viable options you know, in terms of veteran wide receivers, but you lose Allen Robinson, you've got to do something to address that. I was shocked they didn't take a wide receiver so that would be my biggest knock, but they do feel like, they, you know, like Mel Kuyper said, it, the two guys they drafted at corner end at safety are guys who look like they could be starters this year. So we shall see. We shall see exactly how it pans out for the Bears and, uh, you know, how some of these, you know, the Bears feel good because they got all the, this depth. They added all these extra picks, but a lot of that is seventh round type talent. So. Uh, let's move on to the Colts. Mel Kuyper Jr., quote, I liked all four of their picks on Friday. Alec Pierce at 53 has an exciting size-speed combo that could pair well with Michael Pittman Jr., Bernard Ryman, 77, who went around later than I thought, has a chance to be a rookie starter at left tackle. Jelani Woods at 73 is a six foot seven tight end who couldn't stop catching touchdown passes last season, at Nick, and Nick Cross at 96 has blazing speed and could play as the third safety early in his career. Ballard and co. made the most of what they had. The downside on Friday was sending a 2023 third rounder, a valuable pick, to move up to get cross. Another lingering question, how long will Matt Ryan, who turns 37 on May 17th, be the quarterback in Indy? There were some really good players on the board. Maybe organizations just didn't like any of them in this class and prefers to wait for 2023 but it is a little peculiar. Here's head coach Frank Reich. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., by the way, gave the Colts a B in case I didn't say that. But here's Frank Reich on what they were looking for to help their new veteran quarterback, Matt Ryan. You always wish you had. Oh, wrong one. Hang on just a sec. And here we go. I mean, you're always looking for playmakers, you know, guys who can make plays in the clutch, make plays in third down, red zone, um, chunk plays, looking for guys who are in the skill position room who are, you know, not just great playmakers, but unselfish, um, you know, because we, we move guys around, spread it around. Um, and, you know, both both these guys that we got early are big time. that They hit all those – they check all those boxes. Yep, so there you go. Uh, you know, they, they, they felt like they got some guys. They added a couple of tight ends and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the big one, Jelani Woods out of Virginia is a guy they really like. Both those guys are six foot – Seven again. Mel Kuyper Jr. gave the Colts draft a B. The Ringer gives them a C plus, and they note the Colts were hamstrung by the fact they didn't have a first round pick because it was traded to the Eagles in the quote abysmal Carson Wentz deal. You know and that's that's 
Big factor for the Colts in this draft is they completely whiffed on Carson Wentz giving up that first-round pick. Now, yeah, they got some third-round picks back from Washington, but it's a it's a big whiff that they weren't able to draft any higher to really you know give now Matt Ryan uh, some, you know more than what they did. But you know they still got some nice young talent. They say uh, the ringer goes on to say Ballard managed to add some talent on days two and three. Nonetheless, Cincinnati receiver Alec Pierce is a big vertical pass catcher who should complement Michael Pittman Jr. well and give new quarterback Matt Ryan another much-needed playmaker on the outside. So, you know, they they, they all felt pretty good. Uh, you know, and it's – Mel Kuyper Jr. gives both of these teams fairly solid grades. But, you know, I think – the biggest glaring omission for the Bears is just the fact that they did not get a higher end wide receiver in a draft that was deep at wide receiver, even maybe taking a flyer on Kevin Austin for that matter late in the draft. But again, maybe they didn't evaluate him that high, but that's someone they could have had later on. Someone the Bears could have even had later on if if they had wanted to. And, you know, again, the Bears had all those picks, but only got one wide receiver, and he's a little bit older right now. But here is how Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, overall felt about his draft. You always wish you had more picks. You know, <laughs> when, when I was sitting there in the fourth round, I was like, God, dog, man. Um, <laughs> you know, you wish you had your I – think, I think Baltimore had six of them. It was like watching myself bleed, getting them to take all those players. Um, but – no, I mean, you know, it's good. You always wish you could take more. I mean, like I tell you all, that's, that's a – like you want to get as many shots as you can, um, you know, to take talent. And the more picks you got, you know, the better chance for the hit rate's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's simple math. Thanks for the math lesson, Chris Ballard. But, you know, again, they feel pretty good. Uh, the Bears feel pretty good. They're graded, both of them graded kind of in that B-C range. Colts typically a little bit higher across the board than the Bears just because most, you know, again, most folks feel like the Bears did not address their most pressing need with one of those higher draft picks in the second round. All right, again, it's a short show tonight. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball, the pregame show starting in about 24 minutes here. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. We've got more draft talk coming up with Ryan Roberts from irishbreakdown.com and risendraft.com. We'll uh, look at some uh, Notre Dame guys. We'll talk a little bit about Kyle Hamilton and and uh, his potential with the Baltimore Ravens. Some other draft guys, Kyron Williams, Kevin Austin, with him not being drafted, and also a little bit of Notre Dame football recruiting talk as well with Ryan Roberts when we return. We're brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Grell State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at Feed Indiana. Dot org. A timeout and some more draft talk, Notre Dame related and recruiting talk as well for the Fighting Irish coming up on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues. Going to talk a little 
Notre Dame-related NFL draft and some Notre Dame football recruiting right now with Ryan Roberts from irishbreakdown.com and risendraft.com. Ryan, is it dry where you are today? It is, man. It is. Here in Jersey, it's uh, pretty dry today. It's actually like 70 degrees today as oh, well. Wow. So it's a, it's a nice change, man. I mean, tomorrow's going to be a little rainy. I think the rain's coming in you know, for Wednesday, yep. but... The rest of the week's pretty much going to be 70 degrees, so I have Man, no complaints over here. We'd take 70 here for sure. 70 and dry? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh well. I guess, you know, it'll get here sooner or later. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it since we don't have a lot of time. What do you think about the uh, potential for, for Kyle Hamilton getting picked at 14 by Baltimore? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good fit for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that's historically been one of the more consistent franchises you know there's a mm -hmm. there's a reason that they're usually picking somewhere in the 20s or in the 30s although they were picking 14 this year but I think Kyle falls into a system that has historically shown that they know how to use defensive players properly and I think that you have to have obviously a plan for Kyle because he's a bit of a rare commodity at the safety position. So I like it for that sense. I know it's wasn't necessarily maybe a need need for the Baltimore Ravens because they obviously had signed Marcus Williams from New Orleans, the free safety, to a five-year, $70 million deal before uh, before the draft. And they had also have Chuck Clark that signed through 2024, who's also a pretty solid safety in his own right. So it sounds like they may be making uh, Chuck Clark available on the trade market, though. So that's immediately going to make Kyle's role a little more easy to figure out. Otherwise, I think he's going to be used kind of all over the place, maybe a little bit like Jeremy Chin's used in Carolina. But overall... Sure. I really like the fit. I think that Kyle is obviously a very versatile player. So no matter what role the Baltimore Ravens ask of him, I think that he's going to do really well, and he lands with a really good franchise. So although he yeah. might, probably didn't go as high as he would like, I think the consistency of that franchise is going to play off for him in the long run. Karen Williams ended up with a pretty good current franchise as well, the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. I, I'm sure he's disappointed he fell to the fifth round, I think maybe, you know, some especially Irish fans probably disappointed he fell that far. But what do you think about his fit out there in L.A.? Yeah, I think for running backs, it's so situationally dictated, you know. And, right. and I think that although there were some third to fourth round grades for Kyron around the league, I think that in ultimately he falls into a great situation because, I mean, first and foremost, like you said, super reigning Super Bowl champion, over the last few years under Coach McVay, obviously they have been a consistent, pretty much ten plus win, uh, ten plus win team, right? So, uh, playoff contender, Super Bowl contender, obviously winning last year. So I think he falls into a good spot, and then also for the depth chart, I think it's a decent situation too because they let go of Sony Michelle this offseason. They still have Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers that are still in the on the roster, but I think if anything. Last year, the L.A. Rams only had 53 total receptions from their running backs during the 17-game season, which is a pretty low total. I think that when you're talking about Kyron's immediate role, at worst, I think he's going to be a third-down change of pace back that's going to be able to impact the passing game. But then also, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson have both dealt with injuries in the past. You yeah. know, I mean, for, from a Daryl Henderson perspective, it's been more nagging injuries than long-term injuries, and then... Cam Akers started the year last year, obviously, on injured reserve, recovering from the Achilles injury. So running back is a tough, tough position. It's obviously, you know, got the shortest shelf life of any of any um, any position on the NFL level. So I think kind of getting a player like him in the fifth round, he's only an injury away from being more than a third down back. But I think that baseline for a Super Bowl contending team, as always, is, is going to be a really good spot for Kyron personally. They were the only two guys drafted first time the uh match 
the 2017 draft, first time in five years that they've only had two guys drafted. How surprised were you that nobody else was picked? Yeah, I was a little surprised. I knew Myron Tungovailoa Mosa was going to be kind of a borderline guy like we talked about before the draft. Yeah. But I was really certain that Jack Cohn especially was going to be drafted. I think that I thought that he checked kind of all the boxes and he had had a really good process. You know, he went to the East West Shrine game. I thought he was the best quarterback out there in Vegas. And I thought he did a pretty nice job from a athletic athleticism perspective too. And at the combine, which was a little surprising, he's been consistent thrower along the way. So I was surprised on that one. Kevin Austin. I was, I was also surprised a little less just because he's a little bit of a volatile player. Like we've talked about before, mm-hmm. you know, the last week I told you, Teams still had late round grades on him. I thought a team was still going to take a chance with the showing he had at the combine, but ultimately, you know, a lot of things kind of outweighed the upside of a Kevin Austin. He lands though with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I think is a decent spot for him. To be honest, you know, there's an absence of size to that to that depth chart, but ultimately, you know, it's it was a shame to see those couple guys. I thought we'd have three to four players drafted, but you know, obviously the just the two. It's a little bit of a down year, but. I'm already kind of looking forward to 2023, and I think I think next year's class has a chance to be kind of historic as far as Notre Dame in recent years. Yeah, that's very true. Well, do when you look at all these guys, you know, the list of Irish players who signed it as undrafted free agents. Do you like the fit better for any of them? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Kevin's a decent spot there in Jacksonville. They just signed Christian Kirk, obviously, to a big contract, but all the receivers are kind of either slot options or just smaller players. They lost DJ Chark this offseason as well, who's kind of their lo- their longer, more vertically-based type of receiver. So I think Kevin's in a decent spot there. I really like the fit for Jack Cohn. I mean, most more than anybody, to be honest, because he's fallen to Indianapolis, who has Matt Ryan coming in from Atlanta. And he's a player that obviously wins a lot of the same ways that Jack wins. You know, he's not a great athlete, but he is a guy that's a quick processor, very accurate just a just dependable type of player. And Matt Ryan's also on the tail end of his career. So if, if Jack's able to take a spot here, which he's going to be competing with guys like Sam Ellinger, the second-year quarterback out of Texas, and James Morgan, who's you know kind of kicked around a couple teams originally drafted by the New York Jets, I think that he's in a good spot overall. And, and I, I like his prospects there to kind of fit. And, you know, obviously if he's able to grab a roster spot this year, it's just about the situation that's going to kind of predict long-term what he looks like. But I really do like the Indianapolis Colts. With Jack Cohn, I like Jacksonville with, with Kevin Austin. And I even liked the Houston Texans grabbing uh, Kurt Heinish. I think that their interior defensive line group is is less than ideal right now. It's not very productive. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know if Kurt is a definite, obviously, to land a practice squad or a roster spot. But I think that sure. he's in a situation that is advantageous to him. All right. Ryan Roberts with us, irishbreakdown.com and risingdraft.com. Talking a little... Notre Dame football-related NFL draft, putting some wraps on that and heading into some recruiting talk right now. So where are we? What's what's the latest with uh, recruiting for the Irish right now? Got a few commitments, obviously, last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been exciting times, obviously, with Sam Pendleton recently, Braylon James. It's It's been in a good, good momentum build. Brandon Davis Swain in the in the 2024 class. But right now we're hitting a little bit of a lull just because obviously we had the big recruiting weekend at the, at the Blue and Gold game a couple weekends ago. But now it's about the coaches being on the road. There's one more. There, there's another big weekend coming up June 10th through the 12th. There's going to be, I mean, there's going to be a plethora of really talented players there. There's going to be some committed players already there. 
We're going to have players like Jaden Lamar there, Jason Moore that we just verified today, the defensive tackle out of DeMatha Catholic in Maryland. Uh, there's going to be a, a Jaden Osbury, the linebacker out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There's going to be guys kind of just the talent level at that at the event is going to be littered for that weekend. So looking forward to just kind of seeing what the news is from there. Otherwise, you know, just the, the most up-to-date stuff that you're going to get over the next week or so is, you know, the, the visits. I know Harry Heastan is going to be out on the road. Ogochow Washington was was uh, out in the road yesterday to visit Jason Moore, who's now coming um, that June 10th weekend. So it's a busy time just for the coaches kind of, you know, doing their travels. But we're not really going to get a big a big campus visit until the 10th. All right. Well, the big name that I think, you know, all the Irish fans are interested in slash concerned about to some level is Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback from Michigan. And he's continuing to take some – visit so what are you hearing on him how concerned should folks be because he's taking these visits and that kind of thing I don't think they should be concerned about that layer of it to be at all to be honest because I Dante Moore has been upfront with Notre Dame this whole time that he planned on taking his official visits I think if anything the fact that he's taking his official visits so early is is a good sign that this may be coming to an end pretty quickly I know he was just in LSU obviously pretty recently with Carnell Tate uh, there's going to be, you know, obviously a little bit of, of talk that's going to keep ca- kind of trending out of those visits. But from everything that I've heard, Notre Dame is still in great spots for Dante Moore. I would, I mean, yes, they are the leader. Like, I wouldn't even hesitate to say that they're the leader okay. for Dante Moore. And I understand why people are freaking out, obviously, right? Five-star quarterback to only two and a half hours away from campus, stealing him out of the state of Michigan. I understand all the layers to why people are anxious about this one. I totally get it. All I'll say is... I think this one's going to come to an end relatively quick, and I would say that Notre Dame has as good a chance as anybody. Now, I understand that also you would like, if they're in the lead, you would like it to end right now. So I completely understand that anxiousness again. But Notre Dame is, continues to be in a good spot with Dante Moore. I'm not going to get nervous about this one until I can clearly tell you who the number two team is in contention with Dante Moore. For me, it's Notre Dame, and then it's... LSU, Michigan, like Miami, like people, people just keep throwing out these teams, but I haven't seen anything tangibly to say that there is high interest from Dante Moore's part. So until there is a legit contender that I feel is an actual threat to Notre Dame, I'm not going to, I'm not going to panic on this one. Yeah. Because like you see some of the stuff coming out of Baton Rouge and it's like, they're trying to position themselves. It seems like they're maybe the number two, if not even, you know, a a co-favorite, but but you're saying there's nothing to that right now. Yeah, I mean, for, for the LSU side of things, I would say that I'm not worried at all about LSU, to be honest with you, okay. in this in this situation. So, again, it's, until there's a team that, like, le- legitimately I feel like is a real contender for Dante, not even saying they're the leader for him, but until there's a team that I think is legitimately in the, in the race with the Notre Dame, then I'm just not going to worry about it. I mean, like again, you're going to hear the new flavor of the week, you know, as every visit he takes, LSU, yeah. Oregon, Miami, Michigan was one for a long time, even though that one was kind of overhyped, Michigan State. I, I just, if you ask me today, who is the second team in this race for Dante Moore? I can't tell you who that is right now. So okay. that's why I feel good about Notre Dame's chances. All right, good enough. Uh, so any important dates that we need to be aware of where we are right now? Yeah, I, I think, again, we're going to see a lot of movement from the coaches kind of visiting both last week into this week and kind of moving forward here, right? Like that's that's the uh, the dead period is kind of lifted, so they're going to be out on the roads recruiting these players. 
I think the biggest thing is again that June that June 10th weekend. Like I cannot stress enough how important that one is going to be. You're going to have a lot of returnees who had just been at the spring game and and wanted to kind of see a second look. You got guys like Rodney Gallagher adding to the list of guys that we talked about, you know, after that visit. Jaden Greathouse is scheduled to be there and he's going to be back again in, during the summer for a camp as well at Notre Dame. So I think that they're going to have a big opportunity that 10th through 12th weekend where they're going to have a lot of players that are they're right on the cusp of, right? Like they, they're right there in the leaderboard. It's just about closing right now. So okay. I think that, that, that June 10th through 12th is going to be a crazy weekend. There's going to be a lot of updates leading up to it, a lot of week that we, uh, updates leading, leaving the weekend. And uh, that's really what I just have my eyes set forward right now. All right. Sounds great. Ryan Roberts, IrishBreakdown.com, where he covers Notre Dame football recruiting, and RisingDraft.com, where he covers the NFL draft. Do you have your first mock-up for next year yet? <laughs> not, not really. I, I, okay. I put, I, I put in our <laughs> Slack for, for, the, for the Rise and Draft that we need I don't to get an initial, initial top 50 board up, but mock drafts are a little too early for yeah, me right I, now. I hear you. I hear you. I've, I've seen some popping up, of course, already, so just thought I'd add. All right. Thanks. Great stuff as always, Ryan. I'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, Sean. Thank you. All right. Take care. Ryan Roberts, irishbreakdown.com and riseanddraft.com. Well, that's going to do it for Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight. We've got South Bend Cubs. Baseball coming up next. We are uh, going to be hearing from Brendan King out at Four Winds Field as the Cubs begin a 12-game homestand. First pitch is 6.05 tonight, a little earlier than usual. Tomorrow's going to be a morning game as well, 11.05 tomorrow morning. So we'll have a, a pregame at 10.45 here tomorrow morning on uh, WSBT. But right now, we're coming up next. And again... For the podcast listeners, you'll uh, be able to jump on the podcast and get a rapid fire with Bobby Hensley and I as we've got a few more topics, uh, most of it NFL draft related, but we will hit that on the podcast edition of the show tonight. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this month's for you. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574 574- 232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. South Bend Cubs baseball is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Talk to you tomorrow night. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Who wants to have some Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Bobby Hensley on this Monday, of course, coming out of NFL Draft Weekend. What a weekend that was. Oh, I mean, you must see TV. Yeah, or not for you. I didn't watch a single second. Yeah. Did you? Well, yeah, I watched... Most a of few it? seconds. No, I didn't watch most of it, but I watched more than a single second. Well, there you go. The over I mean, under I, on half a second I, was over. For you, you know, I've got a favorite team, so rather than watching online for what the picks are when I'm sitting there in my house doing nothing else, you know, I was watching to see what they were doing. So, but yeah, and that's kind of what it was. It's like, okay, flip over. Okay, they're five picks away. Go do something else. Come back. Or you know that kind of thing. So. 
But now, now you're ready for the whole season because you got to watch those picks and the guy walk across the stage or get phoned at home. That's, that's you're not really gonna neat. you're not gonna shame me for being interested in who my team is picking. Okay. No, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'm I'm the one that should be shamed because I'm the only one that didn't watch. That I doesn't think. watch the. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's like you remind me of somebody that you know, a mutual friend of ours who <laughs> you know. Well, just, just just because everybody else is what you know, like he was he was always very anti fantasy football, and oh, blah, blah, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people do this. I'm not the only one, and it's not just you know a couple guys. It's a very popular enterprise. That's why it exists still. See, I'm not necessarily hit, hating on you for watching it. I'm just saying, to me, there's no. It's all a stage show. I don't need that for football because I want to see the players on the field. I don't care who we pick. I have no control over it. My opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's just see who's taken. And then well, your opinion never has mattered. Has well, it? Has, neither does yours. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> That's why we're Here in the we same go. room together Here right we go. now. Now you're lobbing it. Now you're lobbing it. All right. Well, fill in the blank. It's blank that just two Notre Dame players were taken in this year's draft. Expected is the word. That should be used because I we talked about it last week. It was two and a half. You said for the weekend. Well, that no, that was after Kyle Hamilton though, which I guess you know oh. it, it's still under and two I said and a under. half. I said under, still under two and a half, but because Williams going to get picked and then because Hamilton was drafted Friday, we said two and a half more who would be drafted. And so, I said under, right? Because I so didn't yeah, take, we both we both hit the under. Yep, <laughs> there we go. Speaking yeah. of fantasy football and gambling. Um, I think it's that's what you expect. The the team had a couple good players, but they weren't superstars. They weren't next, and you know they're all going to end up being free agents, and then they're going to sign on to practice squads or teams and still get a shot. Like Jack Cohn signed with Indy, I think. Yeah. It, so I think that's fine. I the, again to me the draft is severely overrated. I would like to look back, and I don't have any papers or stats, but how many teams bettered themselves through drafts in the last five years to become a perennial playoff team through the draft? Well, you can't ask that kind of question sitting here because, again, I can't, you know. Right. But I'm saying. Through the draft, I mean, the yeah, last free agency. I, the last but, two Super Bowl winners were but free the agents. Foundation, but the foundation of your team is still the draft, right? Depending I mean, on the team. I think there's other ways you can build nowadays. I'm saying that free agents and trades, because there's some teams that yes, are... Yes, those are all parts, but yeah, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you like what percentage of each team. It's, But I would say this, probably 50% is the starting point for any team. Well, you start out with seven draft picks, and what's the man roster limit? Was Again, it I, I'm not going to sit here so and I'm saying like you're, go you're, through... You're turning like, over over 10% of your team every year through the draft if mm-hmm. you keep your picks. Right. So I understand what you're saying. I'm saying that some of the, like, especially well, nowadays. Why don't you save this for these next couple questions? Because we're going to get into the legitimacy of the draft. Why, 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 right, why so don't you just Dame, save that since we're trying to talk about Notre Dame right yeah, now? Notre Dame, I, Come, coming I, in with your big, you know, draft hot takes right off the bat. <laughs> they're hot takes. They're very <laughs> lukewarm at best. Uh, Jack Cohn, I was kind of surprised to not see him get drafted because there's just so many quarterbacks to get picked because of that position. Uh, so I thought maybe he would have a shot to get picked. But it almost worked out better for him to I was be a free say, agent. I think he ended up in a good place. I do too. He's got a good spot. I think maybe he's he's got a chance to stick there. You know, like Matt Ryan being the starter and Sam Ellinger is, you know, like the, the best backup that they've got. And it's not and like And he's not a good pro quarterback. Yeah, and it's it's almost by default, you know, and they and they drafted um the kid out of Washington a couple of years ago. He's already not there. Sison or so. something with an E, yeah. 
Eason. Yeah. Eason, yep. Um, but yeah, they weren't going to make it. So yeah, I think that he got a good landing spot out of it. I don't yeah. know if he has the pro the skills to make it for very long, but you know he's going to get a shot in Indy. Absolutely. And if Matt Ryan gets one bad hit, he's back in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I guess I'm mostly surprised. See, like Jack Cohn wasn't the one I was looking at. Kevin Austin is the one that I, you know, because there were, you know. And again, you know, I guess it's, you know, part of the draft machine that you're talking about, but the mock drafts, there were a lot, there were mock drafts that had Kevin Austin actually getting picked before Kyron Williams. Yeah. And he had the good 40 time, but that's still really it and I just feel like ultimately you know, there's always that talk about well, you know, the combine, how much does it matter running around in your shorts and and all that kind of stuff and you know, skills that you don't really do on on the the field of play I think Kevin Austin's game tape ultimately showed who he really was and the fact that he ran a you know a good 40 time didn't matter now Kyron Williams obviously didn't have a good 40 time but mm-hmm. his film there's a, you know there's good film there on Kyron Williams that helped him he still went in the fifth round but he got drafted you know so and he that, had a good spot as well Kevin Austin I just feel like made a huge mistake and I don't know what his NFL draft you know advisory you know what? What that report? Because those guys always put in for that, and they get it. And uh, this is a big whiff on his part. So, um, with that, let me ask you this question: Do you buy or sell? If you go undrafted, you should be allowed to go back to your college team the next year. Oh, that's a big sell for me. It you can't because then what you're going to get every year is everybody going pro, and see who sticks. And then you're going to even less people drafted because. Everybody's throwing their name that's on the fringe. Everyone will want to get in because they know they can go back to their college, and especially with the transfer portal, it'd be really easy to go back and land somewhere else. So I I, I sell that idea. I don't think that you need people. They can go back and forth because the NBA's had that problem as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, you know, I think it'd be nice if they could, if, if the NFL could come up with some kind of evaluation process like the NBA has, where these guys, you know, like they go to the combine and then, you know, they, you know, do X, Y, Z, whatever it happens to be. And if they're not, if they're not being evaluated high enough, maybe at that point they go back to school. Even then it's tough because you're in the second semester and all these different things. Yeah. I don't think you should be able to either because of some of the stuff that you touched on. There are just too many things in play right now like with the transfer portal and you know coaches are trying to put their rosters together and i mean we know how important spring practice is right <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> to so coaches sell, anyway so but, I mean, dozens of tickets yeah it's just there's there's just too much in play with football and then when you mix in the transfer portal and then you have these NIL things that are affecting you know, players and where they're going to come and, and go. And that's going to get bigger, too. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I think it's just too much. I, I think that, you know, these guys probably, you know, again, I don't know what the evaluation was that a guy like Kevin Austin got. And I'm not just talking about Kevin Austin, but I did. This is something. Sure, it's you know, come like, up. Yeah. Because, again, it's draft weekend, so you see a lot of these things floated, you know, and we'll get to another one of them here in a minute. But it's just guys have to pay. Guys have to absorb the feedback they're getting because I cannot imagine that Kevin Austin got a you know got got a a great you know like a grade that told him you you know you're going to be a first or second round 
guy because it's basically, I think it's like first round, second round, return to school are the three scores that you can get. I cannot imagine that he was told he was going to be a second round guy. See, and there's a lot in play there as well because maybe somebody wasn't doing so well in school or maybe they were thinking about transferring anyway. Who knows? What I, the only thing that I think you could do is if you have people that go undrafted, then that becomes your new USFL or XFL yeah, league. Yeah, send them to because, the USFL developmental type Right, place. and then that's what you turn that league into. Guys that are between the ages of 18 and 22 maybe – that didn't want to go to college or aren't going to college or couldn't make it in college, then you can go to this developmental league and start it there, but then cap that league at only people that you're trying to recruit. I mean, and that to- would actually be a great idea because Kevin Austin and whoever else, draft just ended, their game's taking place right now in the USFL, go sign up, get out there and play because then maybe that turns you into, you get a, right. you know, you a get training a camp invite. You get your tape, which yeah. is exactly what you were saying. You get your tape. And some of those leagues, because the, the the universe is so hungry for football, mm-hmm. even in the spring, which is baffling to me because it's bad football. The thing that works against Kevin Austin that is going to be his biggest battle right now is, like, and I played this soundbite last week from Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, because he was asked about – the different, you know, like why it takes some receivers longer to to make the transition from college to the NFL. And what Kevin Austin struggles with is what he talks about, and that's getting off the press. You mm-hmm. know, none of these Notre Dame receivers have been good at this when Dell Alexander was here. Now, hopefully that changes now that you've got a new receivers coach in Chancey Stuckey. But that is Kevin Austin's biggest problem. You know, he's not he's not as big and physical as like Boykin and Claypool, thing, right? but he's still you know, he's still a bigger guy where, you know, that's that's the adjustment that he needs to make. And now you're you're fighting for a roster spot in the NFL. You, they're not going to work with you and develop you. You've got to figure that out yourself. Like he's got to go hire somebody over the right. summer, basically, to try to help him get better with that. Yeah. At this point, you're they, you're going to a professional job. I don't care if it's football, if it's, you know, money or if it's whatever, when you're a professional, you're expected to know these things. Yeah. You're not supposed to be trained on techniques and stuff like that. at That level you're supposed to already know because you know why everybody else already has those techniques down. And even you might be more athletic than them or faster than them. But if you don't have your technique down, they're going to shine more than you. Again, it's the difference when you think about it between Charlie Weiss having come from the NFL Mm. and Brian Kelly when he took Took over Brian Kelly, much you know, with all the college experience that he has, you know, developmental guy, and you saw that where guys mostly were developed. Now, again, the wide receiver position the last few years, there's a hole in that theory because of the fact that he stuck with a bad receivers coach and he wouldn't replace him when he should have. That you know, that's one of the one of the bigger knocks on. But uh, my point with Charlie Weiss is like you can do what he did in the NFL because. Yeah, pros. If you have a Kevin Austin who can't get off the press, you're going to cut him, and you go to the guy who can get off the press. For example, you're you're not going to develop that guy, and that's where Charlie Rice struggled with in the college game. Well, overall, I mean, the whole thing is like you know how many people pay high school football, then how many of them get to Division One football, and then from Division One it cuts down even further to Mm -hmm. pros, and you're going to get guys that are gym guys, I call them, that are at least good enough at the techniques and the skills. Maybe they aren't the the flashy guys, yep. but they have all the fundamentals down, and they're going to last a little bit, at least get a chance, because if you can't break the press, you're already out. Now, if you can break the press and you have a problem downfield, then you're out. But like if uh, everybody that can't break the press, that's where your first cut is right. in the NFL. Right, yeah. I just, 
Yeah, so again, undrafted guys, no, should not be allowed to come back to school. You, you're you're on your own, you know. Unless they start a league for you in the XFL well, and sup- USFL. Supposedly this USFL, there's supposed to be some kind of developmental agreement with the NFL. So we'll see what happens but with does, that. But Well, there's a bigger issue there. Does it ruin the college game? But well, they're not competing against the. You know, they're not pulling guys out of college. They're basically they're basically guys that we're talking about the who are done with college. Yeah, who haven't been a, or or maybe they were drafted, but they were cut. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're guys who are looking for another chance to get back into the NFL. So. See, in the NFL though, they still have you have to be three years from your high school graduation class, which is a wonderful rule that helps yeah. them go into college, and that's what the basketball doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk says the draft isn't a fair system he says it's un-american because players have no say over where they decide to work so do you buy or sell that if you buy it how would you change the draft if you could yeah i think you know i'm gonna sell this big question i think i'm gonna sell because yes you are choosing where you work because you're working for the nfl once you get in the nfl their rules are what you have to adhere to see based on all the stuff you were talking about like oh draft sucks how much do you really build all that stuff i I expected you to be buying this so no i'm selling because i i'm saying once you it's almost like what they used to do if if you choose to to be to go into professional sports you choose to abide by whatever rules right that professional sport has and you know, from whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or whatever it happens to be, basically what Mike Mike Florio is saying, free market system. You know, that this is basically what baseball used to be back before they drafted. The Yankees would go around and they would sign, you know, find yeah. these players, sign all the best players. That's why the Yankees had an early dynasty because that's they were just buying up all the good players. There was no draft. If if that's what it becomes, like everyone signs as a free agent. Then the, the you know the the biggest market teams are going to have the best teams basically. Well, wasn't it the USFL like the old version of the USFL? You would sign to play with their league, and then there was still a draft. So right. no, I don't I don't like the idea of just a wild wild west where you can go out and sign anybody because the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poor. You're never going to see these turnovers. It, that's the systems. You know what you're signing up for. You get to do your free market stuff when you go to college. If you want to go play at a school where maybe you're on TV every time, but you're not the star, versus going to a smaller school where you're the star, but you're yeah. not as seen as much, uh, you already get those choices That's before. where you get the choice, yeah. But this, once you get to the pros, you're, you're in their system. What, you know, what I hate is when people try to compare working in professional sports as an athlete you know, in professional sports to being a postman to or pedestrian being a truck life. driver yeah. or you know, working in, you know, whatever, to a real job. Basically, because we know they're not real jobs because nobody pays millions of dollars to go watch the guy, you know, drive, drive the goods. (laughs) Yeah. To to put the mail in the box or drive the goods from point A to point B. Are they all valuable, you know, professions that we need? Of course they are. Arguably more valuable. But don't but but don't compare a professional athlete who is making, you know, basically, you know, in 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 one season for some of these guys what the average American is making in a lifetime. Your regular job is not the same as a professional athlete's job, so stop trying to make analogies out of them. You know, it's like, well, if I did this, my boss would this. That doesn't matter. You're not a professional athlete. Just just stop with that kind of stuff. The only way that this could possibly work, if you want to try and spin it that way, because I totally agree with you a million percent on all of it, I like real jobs, comparatively right and you still have to go on the entry level you don't get paid the highest salary just walking in the door so 
But if you really want, um, I've played in fantasy football leagues, which is not comparable. I'm just trying to throw a scenario out there. Okay. Where you have a salary cap of like right. $200. Right. And then each draft pick could be so much of your 200 budget. Sure. That's the only way that that free market thing could work. But you essentially still have a draft, and the players are still going to end up the same way. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because if you don't need a quarterback, you're not going to put any money on it. So I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a way that would make that system work. Well, and, I- and again, if if the league, you know, like because we talk about the the ideal of parity and all that stuff, that the draft is part of what you know keeps it in balance. What, what keeps that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because again, if if all the best teams are just signing up the best players, then the, the, then. You know the the Bengals are crappy year after year after you know and the now Browns, they, they yeah. took yeah you know they took a while to get there but they got back to another Super Bowl if they don't draft Joe Burrow two years ago and Jamar, and Jamar Chase. Chase last year they're not in the Super Bowl so there's the answer to your original question yes <laughs> the draft matters all right Bobby Hensley we're gonna wrap it up on that <laughs> yeah when you're right <laughs> sure you get one once in a while that's right every once in a while yep. well it's good to see you again i'm glad you enjoyed the draft this weekend I'll oh, talk it was a to blast you. I'll talk to you later in the week yeah all right we're going to uh, wrap it up with that on budweiser's weekday sports hey everyone saltgrass steakhouse is now open in mishawaka wrangle up the crew and head down to saltgrass mishawaka for an unforgettable experience sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified angus beef steaks sip on ice cold craft cocktails and don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers all made daily in the scratch kitchen start making delicious memories at saltgrass mishawaka 5126 north main street across from lazy boy furniture galleries dine with us today 